0: Chapter 6 of Twelve Good Musicians, from John Bull to Henry Purcell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Twelve Good Musicians, from John Bull to Henry Purcell, by Frederick Bridge. Chapter 6. Richard Deering. Approximately 1580... To in considering the careers and works of the first five musicians on my list of twelve i have it is true been treating of men whose names are to be found in all musical histories but of the next name on my list i am able to say i am on comparatively new ground there is nothing so surprising to me as the universal neglect nay i may even say the word disdain with which musical historians of many periods have treated the name of richard deering in common with most people of my age i knew very little about this composer and certainly in common with i venture to say all my contemporaries i never heard a note of his music until a few years ago the story of my awakening to the real merits of this admirable composer is simple looking over the music in the chapter library at westminster i found among many fine collections of madrigals original copies mostly published in the sixteenth and early part of the seventeenth centuries two sets of latin motets in five and six parts by richard deering they were bound up in covers made out of an illuminated manuscript on looking at the bindings our late dean dr armitage robinson always interested in the library and also i may add in my musical researches found that they were part of the wedding service of the fourteenth century the binding was promptly taken off the deering books rebound and handed on to me i proceeded to score some of the first book published in sixteen seventeen and had not done many bars before it was plain i was indeed about on earth a treasure full of beautiful harmony and contrapuntal devices with examples of melodic progressions new and original these works were speedily brought to a hearing at my gresham lectures and with as little delay as possible edited with english translations published and introduced into the abbey services since then many cathedrals and great churches have used them the bach choir has performed some of them and Deering's fame has i hope been re-established i must say before proceeding to give details of Deering's career that nearly a hundred years ago an effort was made by a musical amateur to get these motets scored by a curious chance i have come into the possession of letters which passed between the owners of copies of these fine things and mr sale of westminster abbey the owner was the reverend thomas straightfield vicar of charthedge a well-known kentish antiquary and he came into possession probably at a sale of some of the old Deering books Of a set of parts of these motets. He applied to Mr. Sale, a very prominent member of the musical profession, a lay vicar of Westminster Abbey, and a principal singer at the ancient concerts, to get these motets scored for him. A letter from Sale's daughter apologizes for delay and says her father does not think it will be worth while to go to any great expense as he has tried some parts of it, i.e., the music of the motets with some who are used to and admire that ancient style of music and they do not form a very high opinion of it cursely enough a few bars and score of one of the most beautiful motets was enclosed with a note from a copyist saying that it would take much time and be very expensive so During's motets were laid to rest again for nearly a hundred years I may add, Mr. Sale was the music instructor to Queen Victoria when she was a child. Mr. Straightfield's copies of the sixteen seventeen motets uncut were sold at his death by auction and fetched four pounds sixteen shillings. The neglect of Deering is certainly extraordinary; he was as usual, absurdly criticised by Dr. Burney, who spoke of his music as very sober, innocent somatic dry and uninteresting and further he was never able to discern in any of his works a single stroke of genius either in his melody or modulation and sir frederick owsley actually writes of his style as severe and correct but very dry these verdicts amaze me they are absolutely untrue at least as regards deering's great works his motets i question if burney or owsley ever heard one of them they may have found it their opinion upon some of his less important works published by playford some thirty or forty years after deering's death which playford himself does not vouch for as being certainly by deering and as regards deering's fancies i can hardly believe either burney or owsley had any real knowledge of them for one which i produced at a university lecture in nineteen twelve was of a high order of merit that deering was appreciated at his proper value by his contemporaries is apparent by the way in which peacham in his complete gentleman sixteen twenty two couples his names with others for depth of skill and quickness of concept almost the only bit of information which historians tell us is that cromwell was very fond of his music and that john kingston the organist with two of his boys often sang deering's music to the protector the mention of two boys points to the two-part motets as being the music performed not of course to the motets for five or six voices mace in his music's monument 1676 mentions deering's gloria patre and other of his latin settings i must now turn to the personal history of this good musician richard deering was descended from an ancient family the deering's of the county of kent the branch from which richard deering traces his descent was the one headed by william deering of petworth in county sussex and his wife eleanor dyke the deering of this sketch was the son of henry deering of lys near petworth by the lady elizabeth gray He died in 1630. It is stated by Anthony Wood that Deering was bred up in Italy, where he obtained the name of a most admirable musician. After his return, he practiced his faculty for some time in England, where his name, being highly cried up, became, after many entreaties, organist to the English nuns living at Brussels. It is not easy to discover anything about Deering's Italian life or work. My friend, the Rev. Dr. Spooner Lillingston, made some inquiries for me in Italy, and is kind enough to write as follows: The Earl of Kent's family, of which Deering's mother was a member, remained Catholic for many years in this family half a century before seemed to have intermarried with certain of the Italian nobility. Lady Elizabeth Grey does not appear in any record of the Greys of Kent. May not Deering's mother have been of Italian extraction hence his Catholic religion and Italian training. As to his Italian sojourn, Dr. Spooner Lillingston continues, There is no record of his first communion at St. John Lateran, so probably he did not go to Italy until about ten years of age, all such records of first communions made in Italy being registered at St. John's Lateran. Dr. Lillingston also tells us there is a record of an eight-part motet by deering having been performed in one of the churches the title being o quam gloriosa that deering studied hard and composed while in italy seems pretty certain judged by an observation in his dedication of the sixteen seventeen motets it would appear that it was in rome that he wrote them in this dedication he speaks of having composed them in the chief city of the world i cannot help thinking that the chief city of the world to deering the catholic was rome almost the first fact of which we have very certain knowledge in connection with his life in england is the supplication which he made for the degree of bachelor of music at oxford in april sixteen ten in answer to an inquiry the keeper of the archives said that there is a record of deering's supplication and it is stated that his plea is granted providing he shall have composed a work of eight parts for the next act dr scott the learned custodian of our abbey muniments for many years made some inquiries for me on this matter and gives the following note which he had apparently received from oxford supplicateth in like manner richard deering a scholar most highly trained in music of christ church FOR AS MUCH AS HE HATH SPENT TEN YEARS IN THE STUDY AND PRACTICE OF MUSIC, THAT THIS MAY SUFFICE FOR HIM TO BE ADMITTED TO THE LECTURES OF THE MUSIC OF BOTHIUS. THE STATEMENT BY DEERING THAT HE SPENT TEN YEARS IN THE STUDY AND PRACTICE OF MUSIC ABSOLUTELY DISPOSES OF THE LEGEND, SO OFTEN REPEATED, THAT DEERING PUBLISHED A SET OF FIVE-PART MOTETS IN ANTWERP IN 1597 i've always entirely doubted that this had any foundation in fact i believe it is a misprint for sixteen seventeen and it was not likely twenty years would elapse between the publication of two sets of motets by so prolific a composer ten years makes the date of during studies to begin in sixteen hundred so he could not have published in fifteen ninety seven i'm glad to be able to correct this error on the authority of the master himself it is very amusing and rather annoying to see how the musical historians have copied from one another the most untrue statements about deering bernie hawkins and mr husk in the first edition of grove's dictionary all give fifteen ninety seven instead of sixteen seventeen and Burney and hawkins say he was forced to leave england when the troubles of charles I began Hawkins says he was organist to Henrietta Maria until she was compelled to leave England. The fact is, During was dead before all of this. He returned to England as organist to Henrietta Maria in 1625 and died in 1630. But space would fail me to point out more of the absurd statements about this musician. Let me rather now turn to his greatest contributions to our musical treasures i leave for a time further comment upon his work in england and proceed to consider his magnificent motets it appears that on the invitation of the english nuns at brussels he proceeded to that city and became organist to the convent it was whilst there that he published in sixteen seventeen his fine series of cantiones sacre for five voices this was issued from the press of peter Feliz in antwerp there are eighteen motets, all to Latin words, for five voices, and basso continuo, for organ. I have already spoken of the way I made acquaintance with these masterpieces. It is very gratifying to find the increased favor with which they are received, and the frequent performance of them by great choirs. The ignorant accounts of them, which I have quoted, shake one's faith in the opinion of such writers on other musical works the first set of motets was dedicated to a remarkable personage sir william stanley and the preface is so interesting i feel justified in giving it with the title page the original dedication is in latin but i give it in a translation cancioni sacre for five voices with basso continuo for organ by richard deering englishman organist to the venerable english nuns in the monastery of the blessed virgin mary at brussels antwerp at the house of peter Felice, 1617 dedication to sir william stanley knight renewed at home and in military life counselor at war to the most honorable and invincible catholic king his most worshipful lord for long my music has desired to come forward she is not unpolished for she was born in the first city of the world but she is modest for it is customary with new men especially those who are bashful not to bring their offspring however excellent to the light until they find some distinguished man whose approval if they win they need fear neither the abuse of rivals nor the criticism of the ignorant but what patron should my music choose in preference to your lordship when permitted to relax your mind for military cares, you think no delight, no pleasure greater than music. To music, you give the chief place after war, in which none surpass you. Therefore, let my child go forth with you for its patron. If you are the first to smile upon it as it takes its first modest steps, you will give it a wonderful courage for greater things. Live, flourish, and conquer. In war, we long for peace. Peace endeth wars. Music makes jocund peace to know no jars. Your most obedient servant, R. Deering. In the second set, published in 1618, Deering claims to have written in the madrigalian style. It looks as if he had tried to imitate the madrigals he had heard and to adapt some of the phrases to sacred words. I do not think the second set is as good as the first but there are some very fine things in it, one of the best being Silence Prevailed in Heaven, a dramatic account of St. Michael's War with the Dragon. I have had this printed, and it produces a splendid effect, and hope in time to restore to life many more of these unknown and really beautiful masterpieces. I have not space to chronicle all Deering's musical works, but I must conclude this notice by some account of his secular music, and more particularly his remarkable humorous fancy, The Cries of London. This is the third of these interesting fancies which I have had the opportunity of recovering from oblivion. I have already, in the case of Wilkes and Gibbons, explained the circumstances attending this recovery. Deering's fancy is the most elaborate of the three, and besides a number of cries which the other musicians admitted, he has preserved to us some most interesting and charming tradesmen's songs those of the sweep, the blacking seller, the vendor of garlic, the rat catcher, and the tooth drawer. The whole fancy is full of life, and shows Deering to be both dramatic and humorous. This work, and a similar one on country cries, was written before he left England for Brussels, as the copy in the British Museum was made 1616. There are a few anthems scattered about in various libraries, but as a Catholic, his contributions to English cathedral music would no doubt be few. Some are found in Durham Cathedral Library. On the marriage of Charles I, he was appointed organist to the Queen Henrietta Maria. On July 11, 1628, his name appears in a list of musicians in ordinary to the king, and he was evidently a member of the king's private band. Most historians have stated that he lived to 1657, but this is just as incorrect as their other statements concerning Deering and his music. I have devoted much time to the elucidation of the history and the reproduction of his work, and feel in doing this I have helped to restore to his rightful place one of the greatest English musicians of the seventeenth, or indeed of any century. End of chapter six.